and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading-edge capabilities to secure, retain, and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest is VP Cloud Red Hat Synergy at IBM. He is leading key growth initiatives across the US with a primary focus to optimize IBM's go-to-market strategies and to enable clients to accelerate their cloud journey to drive business transformation with open hybrid cloud solutions and AI. Welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Safer Giraffa. Hi, Janice. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure um, you being here. And um, first of all, can you explain to me Red Hat Open Hybrid Cloud Technologies? That's quite a mouthful. <laughs> Red Hat is uh, one of the largest software companies. It was the largest acquisition ever in the industry once we closed on it a year and a half ago. But it's an interesting company. They do not have a single patent. Everything they do is simply based on open source technologies. They have the value add on top of that around the security, making it enterprise great. But innovation comes from that open source community driving the development. So whatever they have, that's open source. And the second aspect of this is, you know, we have different cloud discussions. We call a lot of different things cloud these days. What Reddit does is Reddit offers a platform that pulls all these different bits and pieces each and every single customer needs to deal with within their traditional infrastructure, with their hyperscalers they work with, with the software as a service vendors, make sure all of these runs in a single integrated platform where they can move data, where they can move applications and you know, improve the efficiency as well as drive that innovation cloud brings to the table. I've always thought open source applications must be, there must have been a time when organizations that were very um, focused on having their own IP and protecting it, um, there must have been a point where organizations really felt that this was a big risk, whereas actually now it's kind of every day, isn't it? And I wonder, you know, you've been in the industry for a while now. What was your experience when a lot of that started to kind of almost mushroom? I've been pretty fortunate because I, I see both of the best, best of the both worlds in that context. I work for IBM. IBM has the most patents in the world every single year for the last, I think, 25 or 28 years now. And we have a huge intellectual property being built with a significant R&D investment. And then I work with Reddit because of my job day in and day out every day. That has the completely different model that's, again, that open source space mm -hmm. development. And um, one thing we realized in IBM as well, which is why we draw the acquisition, which is why we work with our ecosystem partners, you know, in this age, there's no way you can solve everything yourself, right? The discussion becomes actually, how do you enable integration 
at scale so that people in different parts of the world with different experiences, with different backgrounds, with different skill sets can contribute to that innovation. There's no, the, the best thing we can do as any company right now in tech or in the business side is to build a platform where people can leverage and show their creativity and that's going to drive the innovation. The moment we say we're going to control the innovation, at this age, it means we're killing the innovation. There's nothing to progress or proceed. So the discussion becomes one, how do you build a platform? The second one, how do you partner? And the partnership to us is, you know, in certain ways, we compete with some of our partners in piece of the business. And on other ways, we're maximizing the value we can drive together to our customers because, again, we don't do everything the best. They don't do everything the best when we put these solutions together, that's how the maximum value for the customer is generated. So you need to acknowledge that fact and start that way, being humble, being open in the table, saying what is the value I can bring and what is the value I can drive from others and maximize the outcome. It's, it is quite a mindset shift. And it's what I find is interesting in the way that IBM is marrying the two. You know, it's still, as you say, patenting a lot of its invention, which is quite protectionist, but also being quite open as well. So. Yeah, we've been one of the biggest contributors to open source. We are one of the founding partners of Linux. We, we, we spent significant amount of time, energy, money in this space in the past as well. But of course, it's at a different level now with the weather acquisition and that being part of the family, the broader family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect, perfect. So what's your view in sales? Because you've done so many different roles in sales and leading sales teams and growing sales teams and being on the buyer side and, you know, like, so there's not a lot that you can't talk about. So let's um, start with your overall view of the environment of B2B sales and whether you feel it has shifted enough to be buyer and customer centric and whether you feel you know, like perhaps some examples of how things have changed, you know, in your world and what you think that still needs to be done. Absolutely. It's a topic that I really feel passionate about. I got into sales in Turkey. I was a you know, junior seller within an inside sales organization. And there was a very different job than becoming a first line manager, than having a job across Middle East Africa, working for IBM at worldwide level, which is a tremendously different scale. But one thing I knew beforehand and I didn't know beforehand was um, how the, there's this perception of the seller, this aggressive person that gets into the room, gets all the attention, makes the perfect pitch, closes the deal and closes all the time, right? And then moves on to the next engagement. And um, there was the prejudice I had as well. I didn't know if I can do that. I didn't know if I had that in me, right? That's always the statement. Then I went to this interview one day I met this wonderful woman that was one of the best characters I've seen, the strongest personality. She's like, to the point, direct. That's what I said I want to be like. I want to be like her. That was the role model for me. Somehow I signed up for sales. One thing that I learned from her that I always keep in mind forever is sales is not about pushing something to the people, right? People don't want to be sold to. We don't want to be sold to. If I'm going to buy something, I want to go search, you know, preferably deal with somebody if I have a question or not and just close on the discussion. The real value you add as a seller is to help that individual across the seat, across the table, 
one with understanding their pain points from a business perspective. The second one is understanding their individual ambitions, goals, objectives. Then the third one, understanding, of course, what you have to offer in a really detailed way so you know what is possible and what is not. And then somehow merging these things together to create value. If we say our job is to sell and close the sale, what it drives is a quarterly discussion, which is one of the bigger problems in sales. And that's great, but next quarter is still going to be the most important quarter ever again for you. And you're going to start from scratch. So we need to take this as a marathon while the sales profession is there to serve the customer, to clarify their needs and somehow match them with what is available in the market on our side, as well as our business partners, our ecosystem has to offer. We are coming a long way in terms of talking about this, but from a getting that perspective, there's still a long way to go. At IBM, I've been very fortunate. I've been at IBM now for 10 years, totally not a millennial thing, I guess. But um, the good thing about IBM is from day one, the biggest sales education you get is about how to ask the right questions. It's not about how to perfect your pitch. And you need to build that muscle somehow saying, I'm here to understand you better. I'm here to help you more. And then that is the value of the seller. We somehow need to move away from that sales stereotype, which is also driving diversity issues as well, right? If you look at sales, that's the second worst profession from a gender gap perspective. We only have 40% women representation. And if you go look at more senior management level at the VP level, that's 20%. That's shame on all of us. And if you look at the last decade, it's only improved maybe three points. And now with COVID and everything, we of course fell back and lost all those had you know, hardly earned gains as well. So we somehow need to look at ourselves saying, do we mirror the buyers from a diverse perspective? Do we have the right culture to mirror that? And do we have the individuals that are there to help the customer understand their pain points, match with what is available for us as well as our partners versus trying to just perfect the pitch, go there, close the sale? Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And I'd like to um, ask you a bit more about diversity and uh, the stats that you um, talked about. Um, and also about the kind of whole environment of, of sales, because um, the world that we, we're selling to a global world, especially, you know, now we're all virtual, Absolutely. there aren't those barriers and limitations. But, you know, on the other side of the camera, there are people that come from a completely different perspective. Almost everyone I speak to, it seems to be more personal. Everyone I speak to, I'm I'm acutely aware they have a different perspective, but I'm not necessarily aware of when I'm in the room with them because I'm going there, I'm really focused, I'm there to pitch. But actually, when we're having this, it's a bit more of a dialogue. We have to work a lot harder because we've only got a little box in order to read the customer. So, you know, and you're, I think the, aware, the differences are so much more acute. So how in a virtual world um, do we bridge the gap of the lack of diversity, the numbers that you talked about, with the fact that we're in a virtual world that is almost more diverse than it was before in the way that we're having to communicate and interpret um, people in this virtual world. How do you bridge those two things? So the new world that we adjust have pros and cons, right? On the cons side, for sure, 
we have this distance physically, but also we have all the flexibility in the world in the sense that uh, we can work remotely from where we are. We can adjust the hours that we work with, given the different time zones and everything out there, and somehow help the society, the community to balance the other priorities. One thing that did impact, especially women and women of color even more, is you know we did pull the support structure out, right? The school, the childcare, things that enabled to close some of that gender diversity issues we have for the several decades now, we pull them out. But sales is a great profession that can make you work remotely now in this age, that can make you work on a flexible hours, and that can be very lucrative because it's a result-driven discussion. It's not a discussion about how many hours you work with or how many hours you sit in front of the laptop. The discussion becomes how do you still personalize the contact you have with the buyer, with the persona that you engage with, and I think the basics are still the basics. The tools makes the difference. If you're coming to a room to pitch people how great your product is before, you still can do that on WebEx or Zoom, saying, here's my presentation, here's my video, here's my charts. And you know the tools enable that. There are also tools there that can help you co-create with the customers. You can use morale just to run a brainstorming idea to get what the customer is worried about, to understand their pain points better. And, the tools are there to enable. The question becomes, what do you want to use it for? And to your point, we have a very diverse buyer out there in the market in all the industries. We somehow need to start with the fact that our first job is to understand them. The second piece is to understand that you need to establish that culture that's going to drive diversity on the sales side as well, so you can match the buyer. It's people buy from people at the end of the day, and you know that's the, one of the oldest sayings, and that is. No matter what the tool we use, that's still the truth. So we can use Zoom, we can use WebEx, we can use social media, we can use morale kind of tools, we can use Trello to manage projects. But yeah, it doesn't matter if we use the spreadsheet or that. The, the, the point that matters the most is the culture we bring to the table and the approach that we bring to the table. Yeah, that's interesting. I was talking to Laurie Richardson, who's um, leads Women Sales Pro, and uh, she's got a book that's coming out, She Sells. And we were talking about the, the fact that COVID has um, pushed a lot of women out of sales. Um, and, you know, things are pretty dire. And just like the point that you made, I said that the advantage of the virtual world is that it allows people to manage other things they're responsible for and the employer now is much more open uh, that you can extend your working hours and because you're dealing with people globally so actually that there is the potential to bring more women in to sales if they're switched on to this um, because we now have the tools we have the technology and customers are used to you know working outside of the nine to five um, but we have to have companies that are switched on to this. So, you know, what is your view as what IBM is, is doing? I don't know what, what policies are yeah. in place. We are doing a few things. One, we are creating re-entry programs to, you know, job force for women after, you know, having kids or different life choices because they need to take care of a parent or whatever the priority in their life was. We're establishing re-entry programs that opens up a lot of, uh, talent pool that we didn't have before. The second one is we removed college degree being a pre-requirement for a lot of jobs. Again, we are trying to open up the 
pull to people. It, they may not have the college degree, but as long as they have the skills, that's, that's the essence of this. And with these programs, while we enable that, the second most important aspect of this is our executive compensation at IBM is tied to diversity. Diversity is one of the key metrics everybody is measured on. We are publishing this you know, publicly via VI and how we made progress. I think the last one was in October. We showed good progress across multiple metrics. We'll have the next one coming, I think, uh, in another three to four months. We all carry this objective, and again, it's tied to our compensation and pay. That makes a huge difference. Then the third one is, of course, we are hiring. Right? We have IBM garage teams that are doing more software development. We have client success management roles, more the sales roles. But there are lots of roles that we are trying to broadcast to people through different channels, so we can actually make sure that people hear the story. Right? To your point. Uh, sales can be a role that is flexible. Sales can be a role that can be lucrative. But there's a prejudice of that profession we did built over several decades. It's not going to just disappear. So we need to show that we are actually adopting ourselves and make sure those individuals we need in the sales force uh, hear that message. That's the part we have, we, we have more work to do. Mm. So let me talk to you a bit about cultural diversity. You know, you mentioned that you started off uh, in Turkey working with IBM and then you moved over to, to the US. And, you know, obviously it's a global organisation. It's the transition in moving is is probably a little bit easier than than, you know, for other people and your colleagues. But it may not be. I mean, you kind of should. So, you know, what's your, your view in terms of the moving people around and what are the benefits? Because when you're sitting in the office, when you're back in the office in, in America, you know, it's obvious you're, you aren't originally from America. So how do people perceive you? I know that people often warm to me because of my cultural differences, you know. So what's been your experience in the sales environment and in the leadership environment? I've been very fortunate working for IBM on that. I cannot deny that. The reason I was shaking my head is the moving abroad is still hard. You know, you always need to adjust. Uh, as you said, I started working in Turkey. Starting earlier in my career, I always said, a broad kind of a function role mission. I did different jobs in Southeast Asia. I worked in Middle East Africa as part of IBM as sales. So, you know, South Africa, Dubai, Egypt, Kenya, all these countries that have different cultures as well as Central Eastern Europe. Then I came to New York where you have a global organization and you know, different culture at the end of the day, right? The, the country is different, the people are different and the mode of operation of the company is different. What you realize, what we all have to realize is you have the place for a reason. You bring certain skill set, right? You have a great understanding about the part of the world that's hard to understand for people that are far away because, you know, one, of course, the culture is different. The second one, the, the market is different. The clients are different. The buying behavior is different. Then the discussion is also, you know, the regulatory requirements are different. What the governments are driving is different. So you need to have that value proposition about the market that you bring. And the second piece, you know, you, you need to make peace with the fact that you're different. That's the value you actually bring to the table as a person. So you may react to things then differently than how people would want to perceive usually on a day-to-day -day basis. But one, 
I was lucky again to be in a company where that diversity has been, you know, embraced and encouraged even. But you need to be yourself and you need to be able to put that identity as yourself as a human being. Like we have, you know, I'm a Mediterranean person. We use much more hand gestures if you didn't realize already. <laughs> it's the big deal for us to have like lunches together and having drinks or dinner after work together. You need to have that social bond. And that may not be the case for someone coming from Nordic. So you need to respect that, but also you need to embrace each other in a positive way with an open mind. Then the discussion evolves. Uh, because you have people understanding different markets, different buyer profiles, they have different skill set that they can bring to the table. Then you have a strength of a company like IBM, where you have 350,000 people that operate across the world. I don't think you can run a global organization unless you bring that diversity at all levels. You cannot maintain a headquarters organization that doesn't know how things work in Asia versus Middle East Africa versus Latin America versus US because yeah, there are significant distinctions the way people want to do business at that day. So I've been very fortunate working for IBM in that context, doing that transition. But, um, you know, I'm not going to deny it's still hard to adjust. US, you know, we may say it's the Western world and what we're used to, but a lot of things, you know, not the easiest to get it adjusted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one is the food. <laughs> The food, yeah, I still miss Turkish food. I'm like, yeah, kind of... I love Turkish food. It's so fresh, so fresh. I love it, absolutely love it. And um, so, let me ask you about, you know, what practical strategies you you'd offer buyers to uh, enable them to buy or to build long-term relationships. I think you had three key things that you know you wanted to discuss. Um. So. How buyers can build that long-term relationship. The discussion becomes one. Again, this is not a sprint. We have yeah. to take a look at this as a marathon. It's there will always be more quarters. There will always be more months. There will always be different numbers to deliver on. But um, we live in a small, big world where we interact with people, and I'm a big believer that you somehow need to invest to get any kind of return. The discussion becomes if you approach with that mindset saying this is a marathon, that's the number one piece. Then the second discussion is uh, we on the sales side and of course on the buyer side, the same applies. We put different level of emphasis on what is an existing customer versus what is a new client. Sales always has this glory about going and hunting as the words we like to use sometimes, new customer and bringing it to the fold. If you look at the cost of new client acquisition, and if you look at the actual lifetime value you generate out of that, the first year you're not actually making money, you're actually losing money. So we need to ground ourselves into facts and we need to make sure our biggest biggest strength, our existing base customers, where we have relationships, where we know the individuals, where we have value-based ongoing partnerships. That's what we need to maintain the focus on. We need to make sure one, they are satisfied with what they're getting, the second one, we understand their needs on an ongoing basis and we adjust ourselves accordingly. And then the third one is uh, we make sure we continue to invest. You know, again, we should not go after the next shiny object. That's, that's the second piece, I would say. And then the, the third part of the discussion is um, this is an ecosystem topic. You need to be open 
to have partnerships. Again, if you're looking for something long-term, the only way you're going to grow is if you're growing the pie. We have the tendency to always focus on how we split and making things smaller about ourselves. And, you know, it feels good to control things, right? It's good to have the, the you have the steering wheel in terms of where you want to go, but we need to let go of that aspect saying, these are the companies we can partnership with. And those partnerships take time to build. Those, you know, you need to build the trust, you need to build the skills, you need to build the underlying enablers. But unless you build that overall ecosystem that fills the gaps you may have, or that enables you to do better, it is hard to make things longer term. This is again, in this age, it's a platform discussion. If you're establishing a platform where different parties, different partners can innovate together, collaborate together, that's the only sustainable way of delivering success for the customer and for your business. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. I want to switch it up a little bit and ask you about who is your hero or shero? Uh, I would say my father. I grew up in Turkey in a humble family. Two sisters. I'm the youngest one, the spoiled one. Uh, but you know, he, he was a police officer, raising three kids as the only provider in the family. Mother was trying to take care of the three kids at home, and he had to do multiple jobs along the way. He taught me a lot of things. One, for sure, the value of hard work. It's always important. You need to you know put something on the table to expect something in return. The second one, the importance of family. Again, yeah, he sacrificed a lot to make sure that his kids are doing well. It's, wife is doing well, the family is doing well. And then probably the third thing is, uh, you know, you may have challenges, we all have challenges, but everything is relative. There are still people there out there that we somehow need to offer help. There are things we can offer. It may be financially, it may be just helping people out mentally, it may be just offering mentorship kind of discussions nowadays for me, but you need to be that present giving back to society. There are people that are always in more need than we are, and you don't have, you should keep that in mind. So. I would be always thankful to him for those three lessons and probably, yeah, he would be my hero. Oh, that's wonderful. That's lovely to have your, your parents as your, your hero. So yeah, that's a, a fantastic grounding. It's not just about you. And I think the more that you give other people, the more you get back in, in return anyway. Absolutely. So that's, that's beautiful. Okay. So how can listeners get hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn is the best. They'll have my contact information once you post this and feel free to reach out to me. It doesn't have to be about cloud or the business, but if there are any things I can do to help just bounce back some ideas, any kind of discussions where you know, I can share my experience, I would love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out. I'll do my best to spare time. Excellent. Well, you know, thank you for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Safo. It's, I've really enjoyed like listening to your your global experience and uh, how you've kind of um, maneuvered around um, IBM, but always have very good things to say about them, which is fantastic when you've been there uh, for ten years. And you know, your knowledge and experience is is truly vast. I'll have to get you back again. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Janice. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.